All right, I'm fired up to, to kick off this uh, four-part series called Idols. Idols, when good things become bad things. When good things become bad things. We're going to journey over the next three or four Sundays together in the month of August and look at some different areas that if we're not careful, these good things can actually turn into bad things and they can become an idol. Now, I don't know what you think immediately when you hear that word idol or that thought idol. For those of you watching online, you can use the chat feature. For those of you in the room, this is more of a rhetorical question, but what is that first thought that jumps into your brain when you hear idol? All right, for me, typically when I hear idol, the very first thought that comes to my mind is American Idol. Anybody with me? Like, I immediately go to American Idol. One thing you don't know about me, so fun fact, I have won American Idol four times. Come on now. I've won, they've all been in the shower, but I'm the best American Idol contestant in the shower that has ever lived. We've actually, especially in the, the first, you know, like seven, eight, nine seasons of American Idol, really enjoyed the show. We enjoyed Simon Cowell and his hard criticism of the contestants. We enjoyed the bad singers. Come on, those are the best people, by the way. And, you know, uh, and then we enjoyed the stories that followed the journey of each American Idol contestant. Now, for Kimberly, her favorite American Idol contestant of all time, Carrie Underwood. I mean, that's just her girl, you know, Carrie Underwood. For me, I actually really enjoyed Tori Kelly, who didn't even win American Idol, but just went on to be a phenomenon of music, and her music is powerful, plus she's a believer, and I just thought she was a great contestant. And we've enjoyed other contestants on American Idol. And so for many of you, your first thought goes to, okay, American Idol. Maybe for some of you, though, you don't think of American Idol when you hear idols. You think of this. You think of someone that you consider to be an idol to you. Now, let me, let me clarify this. Uh, you've heard this phrase or maybe even said this phrase. They are my idol. I get that all the time from people. Hello? I'm out in public. Like, oh, Pastor JC, you're my idol. I'm like, calm down, calm down. Okay, that's never, that's never happened, actually. But I think the idea behind this is not so much that if you have... Uh, you know, an idol in sports or an idol in music or an idol in film that you're bowing down and worshiping that individual. I think the thought behind they are my idol is that you admire them or you respect them for the level of work or accomplishments that they've achieved in their respective profession. Does that make sense? So if that's, if that's the take, then I do have a few idols. I mean, I became a Detroit Lions fan 30-plus years because of my idol, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is the greatest running back to ever touch the ground. Case closed, no discussion. Don't come at me with Emmitt Smith and anybody else that you can think of. Barry Sanders ran behind the worst offensive line in the history of football and still dominated. A few months ago, Lakeland uh, was sitting on the couch and I walked into the room. On Twitter, there was a five minute highlight reel of Barry Sanders, my idol. So I made my son Lakeland watch this five minute highlight reel three times. We, true story, we watched it once together. I made him watch it once by himself. And then I told him, now, go into your room, lie in your bed, Turn off the lights and enjoy the artistry 
of the greatest running back of all time, Barry Sanders. Come on now, this is my guy, diehard Barry Sanders fan. When I think of music, I don't know what the response will be for each of you, but in my household, Kimberly would agree, our musical idol is Elvis Presley. Any fans? Come on, any Elvis Presley? It's like three of you. Come on, what happened? Somebody said they're all dying off. Well, my God, Elvis, I'm all shook up when I think about Elvis Presley. You know, I mean, Elvis, what? Now, Elvis could do anything, right? I mean, he, he's the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. Uh, my family loves Elvis so much that, that my half-brother actually traveled the country for years as an Elvis impersonator. Hello? And it wasn't a long career, but he did it for a moment. We love, love me some Elvis. My, I mean, my mom loves some Elvis Presley. When I think about film and actors, and again, I don't know who your idol is, but to me, one of the greatest actors of all time is Denzel Washington. I, yeah, come on now. I got some ladies. You just started getting a hot flash. Simmer down, all right? Calm down. I mean, Denzel, I have seen just about every Denzel film out there. Hands down, in my opinion, though, remember the Titans. Come on. I mean, what an incredible film. And, and I, every time that there's a new release with a Denzel film, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about that. I'm going to see it, okay? Because he's fantastic, you know? And there was an article a, a few, a few uh, weeks ago about Denzel that back in the late 80s, he was actually saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. That was his own testimony. I thought that was really, really cool, which made me idolize him even more. Come on now. What a great actor. Anybody like Denzel? Are you a fan of Denzel? As a matter of fact, he's here today. Denzel, and no, I'm just kidding. Maybe you don't think about American Idol or, you know, a, a sports idol or a musical idol or a film or actor idol. Maybe, maybe when you hear the term idol, your mind goes to a particular tribe or religion and how they worship a, a golden image or they worship a, a false god, if you will, and so whenever you hear that term idol, a lot of different thoughts can come into your mind. And some of us, we think about these different types of religions around the world. A, a few years ago, in the end of 2014, I had the incredible opportunity to go to Southeast Asia. Spent about 10 days in Southeast Asia visiting one of our missionaries there. And on the front end of the trip, we spent about two days in Bangkok, Thailand. And we walked around the streets of Bangkok, Thailand, and, and we watched them as they worshipped different images. They, they would put flowers and fruit at these golden images, and they would pray to these golden images, begging that their God would answer their prayers. And my mind was really opened at a greater level of the need that our world has to be exposed and to experience the love of the one true living God. His name is Jesus. So let me, give you, let me give you a little working definition for what an idol is. This will carry us through the next few weeks. And uh, let me just kind of give you a little thought in the beginning here. I'm going to encourage you to take a lot of notes. This message today is going to be very much introductory. It will set up the remaining weeks within this series. But I challenge you to get something to write with because I'm going to give you a lot of things to consider. And there's even going to be an opportunity for you to respond to some questions that I'll present to you uh, midway through. Let me give you this working definition of, of an idol. Idols are the things that distract you from God. Now, if you pause right there, that opens up 
a pretty wide conversation of what an idol could actually be. It says this, that the things that consumes your affection, your appetite, and your attention. Now you could pause right there and start to process your own life. What are the things or the thing in your life that consumes your affection? What are the things in your life that, that your appetite hungers for or that your attention is always turned to? That's what an idol is, the things that can ultimately distract you from God because they are turning your affection towards them instead of him. They are turning your appetite to them instead of him. They are turning your attention to them instead of him. Now, watch this. That is what an idol is. However, whenever we begin to worship those idols, that's when we fall into the sin of idolatry. And idolatry is a sin all throughout the Bible. And I'll show you a few examples here of where we are called to only worship the one true living God. And the, the, the worship of an idol is the sin of idolatry. And here's that working definition. Idolatry is when you worship something or when you worship someone that is not God, but you worship them more than you worship the one who is God. Give me an amen if that makes sense. So if there's something or someone in your life that they are not God, but you worship them. Again, go back to that first working definition. Your appetite, your attention, your affection is more about them and on them than your worship is towards the one who is God. You might be caught up in the sin of idolatry. One of my best friends, uh, Pastor Jeremy Isaacs, he's, he's actually spoken here at Go Church a couple of times. Pastors a great church on the north side of Atlanta in Canton, Georgia, called Generations Church. So if any of you got friends or family on that side of town, tell them to check out that church. He gives a working definition of idolatry like this, and I liked it so much, I, uh, I'm going to use it in my message. I'm going to quote him, although I should have just stolen it like it was mine. Come on now. But here's what he says. He says, idolatry is whenever you make a non-God your God. Well, that brings a little bit more clarity, doesn't it? That whenever you make someone or something that is a non-God and you elevate them to the seat or you elevate them to the priority or you elevate them to the position where now they become or it becomes your God, that is the sin of idolatry. If you're wondering where God stands on all of this, you can go to the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, God is very, very clear about his expectation of you and I for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what he says. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. As a matter of fact, everybody online, everybody in the room, let's read this together on the count of three. One of the Ten Commandments. You ready? One, two, three. You shall have no other gods before me. And I want you to realize that it's a lowercase g because he's the only big G. Hello. So he says, you got to be careful because no matter what generation you're a part of, no matter what culture you come from, no matter what city, state, country, or zip code you live in, if you're not careful, some things can be elevated and you can begin to worship those things that are not God 
but you'll treat them as if they are. And he says, you shall not have any other gods before me. So maybe you're like me and you're sitting here thinking, well, I, I don't worship any false gods. You know, I, I don't have any golden calves or craven images, graven images. You know, I'm not coming to the altar of a false god and worshiping down at, at this statue. And so I probably don't have any idols in my life. There's a great book. I just ordered it last week uh, by Tim Keller, who pastors a church in New York City area. It's called Counterfeit Gods. Here, here's, his, here's his definition of, of idols and idolatry, and I thought that it was appropriate to lay a little more context here to our discussion. He says this, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that is more important to you than God is an idol. Anything that absorbs your heart and absorbs your imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you, that can be an idol. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that, and watch this, this is powerful and profound, that should you lose it, whatever it is, then your life would feel hardly worth living. Wow. So now what we're understanding is that idols can be far more than just golden calves and statues, but Maybe there are some idols in our country and in our families and in our hearts that we might not even be aware of. I'm going to call them modern-day idols, modern-day idols. We've evolved over time. Technology has advanced. Uh, culture and style has advanced. And so, yeah, maybe we're not bowing down to a golden image, but what are the modern-day idols that we might be wrestling with. Over the next few weeks, we might isolate a few of these. I'm gonna give you kind of a bullet point list, if you will. There is the idol of stuff, materialism, possession, the desire to want more and feel like we need more and to feel like we can never have enough things. And so last year, fellas, come on, you bought a 65-inch plasma screen TV, but now this year, you need an 85-inch plasma screen TV, right? So. So here we are with the idol of stuff that, if not careful, we make stuff our God and we find our value and our worth in our desire to keep up with the Joneses. This is, this is dangerous. There is the idol of social media. You know, they didn't have social media back in the Bible days. And, and I, I would imagine if they did, many of them would wrestle like, like we would because now... We have this God of social media where, and I've said this in sermons before, but you know that you're bowing down to the idol of social media if the first thing you do in the morning is get on Facebook instead of getting your face in his book, right? So if all of a sudden we're more committed to likes and hearts and retweets than we are about our relationship with God, perhaps we're wrestling with the idol of social media. There's the idol of school. I know a lot of people that, that their, their God is their education and their desire to obtain more knowledge and accreditation and, you know, degrees and diplomas and all of those things. And watch this, because I'm only a third of the way through this list, but none of these are bad things. 
These are all good things as long as you keep them in their right place of priority. Don't let the good things become a bad thing. And the good things become a bad thing is when you start to worship these things more than you worship the one true living God. The idol of success, to climb the corporate ladder, to make more money. I heard somebody say one time, more money, more problems. Come on now. The idol of success, to, to, to build that business and, and to to achieve those levels of success. How do you even define success in this world, right? And again, these aren't bad unless they become your God. I know we got kids in the room, so I'll just skip right through this, but it's the idol of this three-letter word. And our country is just overwhelmed with the addiction of, of SEX. I'll let you have the birds and the bees talk on your own time. There's the idol of science. Hey, I'm not against science. I'm an advocate for science. But science is a tool. Science is a, a process. And the Bible backs up so much of what scientists are discovering. But watch this. My hope is not in science. My hope is not in a vaccine. Anybody going to help me preach today? My hope is in a Savior, and his name is Jesus. That's what I'm talking about right there. There's the idol of sports. The idol of sports. I've seen a lot of families fall apart either because they watch too much sports and that, that favorite team or that game or that, that sports program becomes the god of that house. Or here's one, and this may step on a few toes, but it is what it is. Or because their kids are so consumed by sports, God is an afterthought. And so all of the other sports, responsibilities become a priority. Watch this. Sports are not a bad thing unless you're bowing down to the soccer ball or football or baseball. It doesn't matter how many touchdowns your kid can throw if they're on their way to hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter how many home runs they can get, if their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, if you put God first, God will create opportunities for advancement in their sports arena. Give me a good amen right there. Come on now. Stuff, social media, school, success, SEX, science, sports. Here's one more. It's the idol of state. State. What is this? This is politics. It's the idol of politics. And it's amazing what's happening in our country now. Is people are so frantic and concerned about who will be the next president of the United States. It doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. Jesus is still king. Come on, hello. Get out there and vote, but watch this. You are worshiping the idol of state if you say Joe Biden or Donald Trump more than you cry out for Abba Father, more than you say Jesus Christ's name. If the name of Jesus is less used in your vocabulary than a Republican or a Democrat, maybe you're bowing down to the idol of politics. Are we still friends? I don't know if you'll come back next week, but it's going to be hot and heavy all August long. Because I think we need to reprioritize some things in our lives. As a matter of fact, we're going to do that now. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He gave them uh, an assignment. And I want to give you the same assignment today. He says this in chapter 13, verse number 5. He says, let's say these two highlighted words together on three. One, two, three. Examine yourselves. Uh-oh. He says... Take a self-assessment. Do some self-introspection, right? 
Because only you really truly know you. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And then what does he say? Let's read it together again. One, two, three. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. True story. I have failed quite a few tests in my lifetime. Academically and spiritually. There have been moments where I've failed. Now, when it comes to academics, I didn't do that great in high school, did a little bit better in college, but, but I, I was pretty familiar with the letter F in the alphabet. But of all the tests that you and I ever take in life, I don't ever want to fail the test to determine if I'm in the faith or not. I want to make sure that as I examine my life, as I examine my home, as I examine my heart, as I test myself, that I pass that test to know that I am in the faith and that I've not bowed down either knowingly or unknowingly to a false god, to something that I think is going to get me to where ultimately my heart desires to be. The only way to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father but through him. And we have to test ourselves regularly to make sure that our priorities are in line. So let's do that today. Let's take this, what I'm going to call the idolatry test. Now, again, you don't, you're not going to answer aloud, but you need to write these down because you need to do some self-assessment. You're going to do this in the moment, and then when you get home in your own time of prayer, meditation, and study, you have to really lean in and focus in to see, okay, are, are you worshiping the one true living God, or are there some idols that have been erected in your family, in your home, or your heart that you don't even realize that you are allowing to become the God of your life? Number one, question one, it's a, uh, a five-question test. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Come on, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Nudge your neighbor if you uh, are family members. Don't touch somebody you don't know. Social, hashtag social distancing. Wake them up. Here we go. Number one. Do I love anything or anyone more than I love God? Do I love anything or anyone more than I love God? I, I wrote the test questions and wrestled with number one. Because immediately I think about my wife and two kids. I, lo I love them. And I think about, God, are you telling me that I can't love them with everything inside of me? And that's, that's not what God is suggesting. He's just saying, remember that they are a gift from me to you. Amen. Right? So we have to be careful with what we say that we love. And if we love something or someone more than we love God himself, then you're 0 for 1 on the five-question idolatry test quiz. You ready? Number two. Do I prioritize anything? Do I prioritize anyone more than I prioritize God? I'm going to give you a, a little litmus test here. You can do this on your own time. You can check two ways to determine the answer to this if you don't know it right offhand, which most of us would. Look at your calendar. Look at your calendar. Look at all, look at all the stuff on the calendar. I think there's a silver lining in everything. I think there was a silver lining in this whole COVID process. It allowed us to slow down and stop and be still. 
to reevaluate the busyness of our day and the busyness of our schedule and, and to allow God to, to be interjected back into the seat of priority. Listen to me, everybody lean in for a second. As reentry begins to happen across the country, don't go back to business as usual. Don't go back to an overwhelming, unmanageable schedule where you're getting everything else accomplished, but at the end of the day, you're too exhausted to spend time with the one thing and one person that really matters, God himself. Look at your calendar. What, pri what prioritizes over your time with God? You got all these meetings on there. Do you have a meeting with God scheduled? Is there, is there a prayer meeting scheduled? It'd probably help all of the other meetings if you prayed five minutes before the meetings and five minutes after the meetings. God's not asking you to spend 17 hours a day in prayer. God's just saying, can you give me like 17 seconds to start? Check, check your bank account statement. That'll show you if God is a priority. The Bible says that where your treasure is there, your heart is also, if you've got $225 going to Starbucks every month, but you've not given the Lord anything, hashtag sin of idolatry. And I, here's, what I, here's what I hear people say. Well, the church only wants your money. You don't say that about Starbucks. And you're giving it to them. You don't go through drive through and say, all you want is my money. You just want my money. No, you just keep, you keep paying like $6 for a venti coffee. By the way, Dunkin' Donuts is better and cheaper. I'm just going to throw that out there. I've been there, done that, yeah. Uh, but where, where's the priority? The church only wants my money. Listen to me. The church was built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. The promise is, is that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This church, Go Church, has been moving the vision forward, and most people haven't been giving to the church anyway. So keep it. I don't care. This isn't about a money, this is not a money-making machine. But if you want God to bless you and your family supernaturally, I can't fully explain the economics of God. But I do know this, that when you put God first and you tithe 10% of your income, God will bless the other 90% immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Well, I, I, I'm in debt. Well, guess what? You're going to stay in debt until you reprioritize some things in your life. And the fastest way to get out of debt is to give your way out of debt. I'm not telling you that because we want your money. I'm telling you that because we have experienced it. That when God is a priority, he blesses all of the other things. What, let me say it like this. When God is first, he blesses the rest. Amen. Family, schedule, money. You name it. Some of you are like, I, I don't know what this message is really about. It's just about a test. Check your heart. See where God really is. Is anything a priority more than God? Number three, a few more. Do I place my identity in anything or in anyone more than my identity as a child of God? I'm guilty of this. Often I introduce myself as Pastor J.C. And some of you do that. I'm doctor so-and-so. Or whatever those good accomplishments of honor are, sometimes we place our identity in those things more than our identity as a child of God. What title is more powerful than I am a son of the Most High God? I am a daughter of the King of Kings. Some of you do it like this. Well, I'm so-and-so. I'm... So so-and-so's daughter, or I'm so-and-so's son. 
we place our identity in the lap of our parents or our grandparents. And I get that. But what if you started to change your conversation? What a great witnessing tool that when you introduce yourself to people, you say, you know what? I'm JC. I'm a lover of Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's strange. Maybe. Maybe. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think people need to know who I am. I, yes, I carry the title of Pastor JC because that is my calling and responsibility. But ultimately, I'm just like you. If you are in Christ Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the King. And that identity is the greatest identity. And watch this. And that identity cannot be stolen. There is no theft identity when it becomes a child of God. Give me an amen right there. Number four, two more. Do I look to anything or do I look to anyone to meet my needs instead of God? I'm not saying quit your job. Hello. Everybody say amen right now. Some of you are like, I don't want to work anyway. God, it's all on you. No, no, no. Faith without works is dead. Go to your job in the morning. Come on now. But watch, the Bible says that God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. God is a giver of good gifts, and all of my needs are met because of the promise and the provision of God. I'm running out of time, but I need to tell you this. I really wrestled as a teenager and early on into my young adult life because when my father died, I felt like the world owed my family something, like they owed us something, like, you know, can you... Can you do more for us? Can you give us more? And I really struggled with that. But, but when I met Jesus, when I had a relationship with Jesus, when I came into the understanding of, of the covering of, of my heavenly father, I realized nobody owes me anything. And I don't, I don't need to rely on people. Now, there are times that we all need a shoulder to lean on. Come on now. We all need a, a, hand, a hand up. But at the end of the day, my hope and my confidence to meet the needs of my life and my family are placed into the lap of a father who really, really cares. And I want to encourage somebody today. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. And if you'll just say these two words with me, stay faithful, one, two, three. Stay faithful. If you'll stay faithful and you'll keep God first, God will open up the windows of heaven. He will pour out his blessing on you and all of your needs shall be met. Does anybody receive that today? Come on. Oh, come on, clap like you mean it. Come on now. One more. Do I seek fulfillment, comfort, or satisfaction from anything or anyone outside of God? Let me tell you, when, when nobody is there to comfort you, your heavenly Father is there. When you pursue, listen to me, when you pursue all of the things of the world, and yet you still lack fulfillment and purpose, guess what? It's because you've worshipped that idol instead of worshipping the one true God who ultimately will bring you the fulfillment that you're looking for. Just be careful with who you prioritize and what you prioritize and where you give your attention and your appetite and your affection because without even knowing it, you may be slipping into some modern-day idols and removing God from the seat of priority in your heart and your home. And I believe that in this moment and in this time, you can make a shift in Jesus' name. Put God right back in the proper place and watch 
how everything else works together. When Jesus was walking the earth, some of the religious leaders tried to trick him, and they approached Jesus with this question. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the entire law? And many of you know this, even if you're new to church, Jesus replied and he said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. I think it's appropriate to read this together. We'll start with love and end with mind. You ready? One, two, three. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Let me, let me tell you real quick, as I close out this message, what God's ultimate desire is for each of you this morning. Here it is. You want to know, and, and I've, I've said this out loud, God, what do you want from me? Ever say that? God, what do you want from me? Here it is. Ultimately, God wants first place in your heart. First place. The Bible says that he is a jealous God. And God does not want to compete with all of the other lowercase g gods that you've invited into your house and into your heart. He wants first place, first place, no competition. He wants you to know where he sits and he wants you to tell others and show others where he sits, that he is numero uno on the throne of your heart. He wants first place. Second is not good enough. Second place does not get you into heaven. Second place does not release the blessings of God over you and your household. God wants to be the priority in your heart. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. God wants to be the center of your life. That's your soul. So he doesn't just want to be first in your heart, but he wants everything that you're about, every fiber of your being. God wants to ooze out of all of those places, everything you do, every meeting you have, every conversation you have, every responsibility you've been given, every, everything that you put your hands to, everything that makes you who you are, the way you parent, the way you, you are, are, are a husband or a wife, the way you grandparent, the way you run your business, the relationships that you have, all of it, every part of you from, from the inside out, he wants to be the center of your life. Because when he is the nucleus, when he's the center, then everything out of that will come, the proper decisions and responsibilities and understandings and the fruit of the Spirit. And that list goes on and on and on. And then the third and final thing is this. He wants to be at the forefront of your thoughts. He wants to be the he wants to be the first one that you think about when you wake up in the morning. He wants to be the last one you think about when you go to sleep at night. Some of you, I could have added another S. Some of you are really good at worshiping the idol of stress. When you wake up, you're stressed. When you go to sleep, you're stressed. No, God says my ultimate desire is that when you wake up, you give me thanks, you give me glory. You give me honor. When you got a problem, let me ask you this. It's rhetorical, but when you have a problem, what's the first thought that comes into your mind on how to fix that problem? Jesus says, I want you to think about me. I want you to turn your attention to me. I want to be the first name out of your lips whenever you got a need or a worry or a fear because there is power in the name of Jesus. Come on now. He says, I want to be the forefront of your mind, of your mind. Again, this is introductory. We're going to go deeper and deeper each week. 
Let me give you a closing question. Have you enjoyed today so far? Come on now. Here we go. Watch this. Write this down. So does God have all of your heart? Does he have all of your soul? Does he have all of your mind? Or has an idol taken his place? Does he have it all? Or has something been erected that you didn't even realize you worship? The idol of fill in the blank. The idol of, come on, you know what it is. And now all of a sudden you're finding yourself distant from God, lacking joy and fulfillment and hope. And all of a sudden the anxiety of the world, the fear of the world, the stress of the world creeps in in such a way that you feel like you're losing control. Listen to me. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the one that when you worship him, watch this, he makes a way where there seems to be no way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can you testify to that truth? And whatever that idol is that has taken the place of the one you should be worshiping, listen to me, tear it down today. Today, reprioritize some things and invite the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords back into the proper place. Let me pray for you, Jesus. Each week I do my best to prepare a message that I believe would speak hope, encouragement, and even some conviction to the hearts of those who would listen. But the older I get, the more I realize is that it's nothing that I ever say that persuades an individual. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this message that has been covered in preparation and covered in prayer as these words have made their way into the hearts and the ears of your people that you oh lord would do a work in their heart now jesus god i think we're all guilty if we're honest of worshiping false gods and false idols and all of us at times have been guilty of putting other things or people above your place and above you but today as you're speaking to our hearts, let us, let us be reminded of the importance of you being the priority. Nothing is more important than you. No one is more important than you. And when I worship you and when I love you and when I commit my life to you and when you are in the right seat, everything else I do, I do better because you are the center of it all. So God, seal this word today in the hearts of your people. And God, may they be challenged, may they be encouraged, and may they recognize that in a moment, they can put you back in the right place. King of kings and Lord of lords. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen.